0: The Culture Guy Podcast Welcome back to the program It's been a while back. everybody this is christian also known as the culture guy and this is the culture guy podcast a program for people who live across cultures who work across cultures who are genuinely curious in learning about different cultures and behaviors how do you inspire people how do you lead and manage people from different cultures and how you make a life outside of your native culture We've been gone for a while and mainly because, as I said on the last episode of this program, because we were in the process of moving and now we have moved. We are at our new location. This broadcast is coming to you from the city of Atlanta, Georgia, where my family now resides and also where my company, The Culture Mastery, is now based. And today I will bring to you a conversation I had recently with a friend that I met online through how this works in this digital world we meet people digitally with social media with email with podcasts like this one and I was introduced to this lady um, via a mutual connection and she is from my homeland from Germany and lives on the other end of the globe at least from my current vantage point I'm on Eastern United States time and the conversation we had and that you will now listen to is on the exact opposite of the globe 12 hours time difference so with no further ado i present you silke Imsha in indonesia and today we have silke Imsha in Jogja, indonesia on the line and the big question is silke can you actually hear us
1: Hello, Christian. Yeah, I can hear you. Although um, maybe you can hear that there is a very heavy rain quite uh, right next to me and my half-open uh, office here. And uh, but I can hear you. Yeah. Yes, we can. Can we, you hear me?
0: We can hear that there is <laughs> um, tropical rainfall going down on the island of Java. So w- would you oh, let absolutely. our would you let our listeners know where in the world you are? People may be familiar with Indonesia. They may not be too familiar with your specific location. So where where is Jogja and what is it famous for?
1: So Jogja is uh, located on the island of Jawa, which is the same island where the capital Jakarta is located. And it's halfway between Jakarta and Bali. And I hope that Bali ha- is well known also in America as the Holiday Island, yes. the island of the gods. So, we live also in a city that is, uh, I would say, as nice as Bali. Uh, Jokshakata is the cultural center of Indonesia, a city with many universities, many young people from all over the world, many artists from the different backgrounds, dance, theater, uh, uh, fine arts, and uh, the city is uh, famous and popular tourist destination, both for Indonesians as well as international people, with um, old buildings and a wonderful nature that surrounds the city.
0: Mm, Sounds like a place that I have to visit and I hope a lot of our listeners as well. Now, it is also quite obvious that your accent in your English is not Indonesian, so Where are you from, Silke?
1: (laughs) No, I'm from Germany, just like you, Christian.
0: Yes, excellent. So for for those listeners, um, we we will keep this podcast in English, even though it is um, unnatural for Silke (laughs) and I to continue this conversation in English. Um, How did you, as the girl from Germany, get to Indonesia? What is your story? How did you get there?
1: So I was in my early 20s and I was studying communication psychology in Germany and I had the dream of seeing the world, just that. So I grew up in a country that was quite, I was quite locked up during my childhood. I grew up in the GDR in the eastern part of Germany. And like many other fellow GDR people, I had the dream of seeing the world. And uh, as I grew up, then the Berlin Wall fell down and the whole political uh, situation changed and suddenly I was able to, to travel. And my dream was to uh, to see other cultures because, yeah, well, I'm, I'm interested in people since ever, since my childhood, and that's why I studied psychology. And I was interested to see how people live in other countries uh, and how do they des- make, how do they design their life, how do they create their their everyday life, what, it's, how do they deal with family and with friends and what is their culture, yeah, to make it short. And I thought to discover more about humans or uh, people on this planet while discovering other cultures. And I took the chance of a holiday semester in uh, at university. And yeah, packed my backpack and uh, took a flight to Indonesia. Wow. And there I had the chance, I had the luck to uh, get a traineeship at the German cultural institution, Goethe Institute, mm-hmm. where I worked for half a year. And after a very hard culture shock, I, I adapted pretty quickly to the to the local culture. I got friends. I lived with Indonesian girls under one roof. And I was no one more fascinated by the people of Indonesia. And then I started to travel. And to make it short, one day I was with friends from, friends from Jakarta, took me to this very city where I live now, Jakarta. And I instantly fell in love with the city. And short after, I met a young man and fell in love with him <laughs> and we married uh, 11 years ago and now we live here together with our two daughters so this was the short version <laughs> so you not only
0: <laughs> fell in love with the country Indonesia you fell in love with the city of Jakarta, and most importantly you fell in love with a man from Indonesia who is now your husband so exactly so yes. th- this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on this on this podcast because you okay. uh, li- like so many so many people I've met throughout my life live in a intercultural <laughs> relationship you are not only from Germany but from a certain part of Germany with its very unique uh, historic significance and you uh-huh. are in a relationship with a man from Indonesia, who I believe is also f- uh, of a different faith, correct?
1: Uh, yes, he has a faith mm. <laughs> officially. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's a Muslim. and um, Muslim, is it in English? Is it in English? Not, yeah.
0: Muslim, Muslim, I think. It's like tomato, um, tomato. Muslim, I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: But I have to add that in Java, especially in central Java where we live, that uh, people are kind of uh, schizophrenic? Mm. Is it schizophren in Deutsch? Yes, yeah, schizophrenic. Um, because when yes. it comes to religion, mm. yeah, schizophrenic. And uh, because uh, obviously they are Muslims and they go to the mosque and pray, um, but they also believe in the old ancient uh, beliefs, so which is shaped by um, Hinduism, by some Javanese animism. And this is a this is a very uh, interesting mixture so although many people in in the central java and in Shoksha are officially muslims mm-hmm. or also catholic or christians they also make regularly uh, these rituals of yeah of the old animist beliefs with lots of flowers and incense sticks and different prayers and it's very mystical yeah it is not a pure,
0: things. it is not one pure form of religion as one might think, no. um, especially I, I live I live yeah. in the United States as my listeners know and, and there is a, in the Western world there is a certain perception of what uh, life in the Muslim world is like and um, a lot of people know by now that Indonesia is the biggest Muslim country in the world. In terms of, yeah, exactly. of, of, of population, yet Muslim life, the way you experience it, is probably unlike the the stereotypical image of life in Saudi Arabia or Iran. I would assume.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's it's much more colorful. Uh, okay, I've never been in Saudi Arabia and Iran, I have to say, uh, but uh, the. Uh, the religions that have been taught here, may it be Islam or Catholicism or Christianity, they all have mixed with local culture here, and this is actually the very interesting thing about Indonesia. Indonesia is a very diverse country, so they have uncountable cultures and languages on these 7,000 islands that belong to this country, so it's very colorful and you know, uh, I would say the uh, Muslim traditions in somewhere around Sumatra are totally different than, for example, in Java or in other eastern parts of Indonesia. So it's the yeah, this main or this this large um, religions have mixed with local culture. cultures. Very interesting to see.
0: Mm-hmm. So you said your uh, your husband, in in theory, has a faith, and and in in your part of the world. Uh, the, Indonesians are, are schizophrenic <laughs> about their adherence to, to Muslim beliefs. Let me ask you then, uh, you grew up in the what used to be the communist or socialist part of Germany where religion was yes. uh, had, had no role in society. Did, did you grow up with a faith or did you discover faith for yourself after the wall came down?
1: Um, oh, it's an interesting question. So I grew up with no faith. I've never been to church, mm-hmm. and well, I grew up in a Christian, shape, Christianly uh, a society that was shaped by Christianity. Uh, sure, my grandparents still had went to to the church, and my parents, even before there was socialism established in GDR, they also had a Christian education before. So, um, but I've never read the bible until now i have to say and i was never that interested in in these things Um, but i think that one reason i wanted to see the world and learn more about uh, the humans on this planet was also to find maybe a faith or to understand spiritualism or find answers to the question why are we on earth and what why do we live here and what's our target or what's our uh, aim for our life on this planet. So I was searching for these questions and yeah, it's, I can I say that I have a faith? I, I think I have a faith, but it's not related to one of the major religions I would say.
0: Okay, so would it be fair to say you're not religious but you're spiritual?
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah.
0: So Coming from a, a central European value system and now living in a somewhat or certainly different value system with a life partner that comes from yeah. Indonesia. How do you make it work day to day? What are some of the challenges that you as a wife and a mother encounter when you deal with your, your spouse and also with your, with your family?
1: Oh my god, where to start? (laughs) This is such a huge topic, but where to start? Well, I think um, most important is that we understand each other, and this sounds, maybe this sounds easy to understand each other, but if you come from different cultures and speak different languages, it can be really difficult. The most important for us is, and I think, uh, I'm convinced that for, it's also most important for any other mixed cultural marriage or love relationship is that you can speak uh, a language or that you can communicate in a language that uh, both of the partners are able to speak absolutely fluently. Because in a relationship, you have to express your deepest emotions, may it be love, or anger mm-hmm. <laughs> or fear or whatever <laughs> um, and if you do it in a foreign language that you are not able to speak perfectly then this can really become a big problem for your relationship so really have to understand each other also you have to have a, an idea of how you know if you, if you learn a language you learn so much about the other culture and this uh, a language all Already we, we real so much about the culture of this of this country, for example, Indonesia. In Indonesian language, we don't have tenses. Oh, so right. if you wanna say you did something yesterday, you just say yesterday I do that. You know? Mm. And if you wanna say you wanna do it in future, you would say I won't do that tomorrow or uh, later. And later means yeah tomorrow or today two days after or next year or in next life or whatever so so, so the um, the, the, it's, the, the, it's totally the
0: the language structure in Indonesian is also representative of the concept of time in that culture so the the absolutely.
1: The, the view of, the,
0: the, the way that Indonesians <laughs> view time is also reflected in how they don't operate with tenses in their language interesting
1: absolutely absolutely Yes. Is that
0: is that the language you and use to communicate uh, with your husband? Do you speak Indonesian with each other? Do you speak German or do you speak English? What's what's the language that allows you to communicate with your with your husband on that on a deeper level?
1: It's Indonesian, and as we met, uh, he couldn't speak English properly. So he did. You could he could speak the survival English. And no German at all, of course. And um, but I spoke Indonesian very well already uh, because, well, I had lived almost a year, be- yeah, in Indonesia, mm-hmm. and had learned the language very quickly. So, from the German point of view, if you are German or if you are English, um, it's actually quite easy to learn Indonesian because the language structure is much more simple. Uh, you only have to learn totally new words. So we already. Uh, So I could speak Indonesian quite well and until today we speak um, our, yeah, we speak Indonesian. Mm -hmm. He understands German quite well because he also did German courses because Mm -hmm. I found it very important that he understands my language. And we almost never speak in English. So our girls, we have two daughters, they speak uh, both languages, they are fluent in um, German without any accent and also in Indonesian. Wow. And they also speak a bit Javanese. So mm,
0: So the, the ancient the, the ancient language Ma- of the island.
1: Yeah, it's not ancient, it's very popular, very modern actually <laughs> <laughs> oh, until it? today. And actually my husband is bilingual, so he grew up with Javanese and Indonesian. So actually his absolutely his very first mother tongue is Javanese
0: but well so let, let's explain that for the audience because um and I'm I'm only <laughs> I'm only half informed if at all so the what I know about the Indonesian language is first of all it is it operates with the latin script so there is no new alphabet that westerners would have to no. get used to when they learn the language however the the Indonesians didn't come up with it themselves it was brought or or uh, forced upon them by, by yeah. colonial forces, uh, I think the Dutch and who else? Yes. I think yeah. main, mainly the, the Dutch. Yeah, British And British too, okay. Yeah. And so Indonesian is, uh, is it a, um, a default language that was um, westernized with the Western alphabet? And then there are those separate island languages. How, how do we have to imagine that?
1: I think every uh, tribe or every culture in Indonesia has its own language, and the Indonesian language was established after the independence from the Dutch in 1945, Mm -hmm. and it actually was used, they, they used the Malay language and took it and adapted it somehow to uh mostly the javanese language a bit but actually i ca- i could also speak malay so i could go to malaysia and understand the people they just have a totally different accent than the indonesians but it's actually the same language
0: interesting See, so I, and it's I in
1: Latin legend uh, that
0: mm-hmm. well it, the the only interaction i had in my personal life my my family is is friends with um a family from bali who have also connections mm-hmm. to Germany, and when when the Balinese parents came to visit, um, there was no Indonesian spoken because the daughter had to translate it from German into Balinese because her Balinese parents didn't yeah. even speak Indonesian. Um, so that that
1: oh, wow. brought it
0: home to me how how isolated some people in this big country can be if they do not have to yeah. interact on a on a Pan-Islandic or in a national level. So you learned Indonesian quickly, and on a scale from mm-hmm. one to six, where would you put yourself in, in terms of proficiency? Six being the best. Where would you see yourself? Five
1: point nine. Oh really? <laughs> wow. So I also conduct I also conduct trainings in English uh, in in Indonesian, and I also. Um, Write or have written articles in in Indonesian. I mean, I have to cross check it before I publish it, but I could basically do this.
0: Nice. Yeah. So that brings us so to well. that brings us to what you do because you're you're um, you're a business owner. You're an uh, immigrant entrepreneur in Indonesia. Your company is called Culture Energy. Mm-hmm. So in in simple layman's terms what does culture energy do and what do you do with your clients
1: so i'm do consultancy for international companies or organizations and i support people of multicultural environments to work Successfully and efficiently together, and to create a harmonious, a harmonic uh, team environment. Mm-hmm. So I do this with cross-cultural trainings, team developments, and coaching.
0: So you're you're basically um, you're basically me, just in a female version, in a different part of the world.
1: Yes. Good Yeah. This is a good. Yeah. This Excellent. Well done,
0: and you you have been yeah, doing this the, yeah. so you've been doing this in indonesia for how many years
1: uh, since almost 4 years
0: wow mhm and and how do people find you how, how do you get your clients
1: well well um, first of all i have a website and I'm uh, present also in some uh, business networks. Mm-hmm. Mostly, uh, these networks are in Jakarta. And I'm also a regular writer about uh, topics of intercultural exchange mm-hmm. between the West and Indonesia and Indonesian media, online and print. So that's where, well, that's where people, yeah, can find me.
0: So pe- people became aware of you because of your expertise in the field and because you you write yeah. you basically write about your work and, and people notice you. So yeah. you said you're part of networks in especially in Jakarta. So for for Westerners, how does networking in Indonesia work? Do you have to and, and this is coming from a very American or European perspective, <laughs> my, my question. Um, do you go to um chamber of commerce events, or do you go to um, uh, university uh, events? How do you you network in a culture that is so significantly different than Western culture?
1: So newcomers that come to Indonesia usually go to one of the chamber of commerces. You have the European, you have the German, you have Mm. the British and the French Chamber of Commerce. Um, That's a good starting point, I think, and then you will easily realize that it's actually very easy to do networking with Indonesian as long as you are totally open to the culture. And I can say, and this is what I say in my trainings, Indonesians are the masters of networking. They know everybody, and everybody knows everybody, and if you need something to do, or to uh, may it be documents or visa or whatever, you you need a big network, and then somebody asks somebody, and this one asks another person, and then maybe in after ten minutes you have the answer. You maybe uh, would have searched for uh, officially or through other uh, ways, uh, maybe for one week or so. So um, this is um, yeah, networking in Indonesia is. Um, it's a, it's a sport, I would say, and everybody does it, and Indonesians are very well connected. So if you want to do business in this country, you have to be open towards uh, the way Indonesians uh, build up and maintain relationships, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, try to so, navigate yourself. So, so, so
0: for Westerners <laughs> who often rely on well-established institutions and systems um, to, to get their information or to, to further their agenda, mm-hmm. Um, they will quickly learn that without a people network, their agenda will be delayed quite a bit. So you have to build relationships and yeah. maintain them, as Absolutely. you said, by, by being yeah. open to the culture and, and, and yeah. to, to, to its people. What are some of the biggest mistakes yeah. a Westerner can make in Indonesia? What are some of the faux pas that you see uh, people from Europe or from North America make when they come to, to your part of the world?
1: Oh, the biggest mistake is always related to communication and the way people express their opinion. Mm -hmm. So uh, like in other Asian countries, Indonesians usually express their opinion in a very indirect way. So they don't say what they mean, actually, and they don't put all what they want to say into words. So they also speak through body language, through, through mime, through gestures. So, um, and this is actually really hard to understand for Westerners. And uh, if they don't understand the message, or then they feel the message is quite unclear, then they try to, how to say, try to insist on the topic and try to squeeze out a clear mm-hmm. statement, which is for several reasons. Uh, Indonesians or Asians can't give this statement mm-hmm. and uh, well and this is um, then there's a very bad atmosphere between the two parties and then that's the point where the communication has failed yeah and uh, mostly Westerners are not aware uh, of the fact that it failed <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and what reason, <laughs> what the reason for that was so because if you don't understand the culture and this whole complex uh, topic of saving face, and maintaining a relationship in the Asian way, it's really hard to understand why this communication had failed.
0: I, I love the way you put it, that the, the Westerners don't even realize that they failed the communication. And I, I don't know who said it, there's this yeah. old, old phrase, the, the biggest problem with communication is the assumption that it happened. Um, so so <laughs> sometimes the the Low context, very explicit form of communicating that most Westerners prefer, falls uh, on 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 falls flat in in a, many Asian cultures. So, how long did it take you to master this high context, indirect, implicit form of communication in Indonesia?
1: It's still ongoing, and okay. the process is still ongoing. So, uh, although af- I after all these years. With, uh, it's <laughs> After all these years, so I can see it from my marriage every day. Yeah, I mean in business context it's different, but in marriage, uh, if you if topics are related to your deepest emotions and then uh, to your beliefs and uh, to the point where it really hurts sometimes in your heart, um, then you really uh, I really can forget that my husband has a totally different culture. So how I communicate, I can be very direct. Although I know and I tell other people every day, that you know you need to be indirect you need to learn how to express opinions in the indirect way. You have to be patient. You have to think twice before you say something, because you have to consider the cultural values and their background and everything. But if it's really hard to say if the, the emotions are cooking high, then I totally forget about indirect communication. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes and that, that is that is something that everybody who's crossing cultures will 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 remember that if emotions if emotions go high our intelligence goes low often and then we, we yeah. fall back to our in, deeply ingrained default <laughs> behavior and every, yeah. every culturally intelligent uh, or all of our cultural competence goes out the window because we, our, our, our reflexes or our instincts go back to, to our default culture. Um, yeah, and and yeah, you, you are offering, your, your company, Culture Energy, is offering um, personal development programs, intercultural personal development programs. So what, what do people have to do to get in touch with you or to sign up for this? What, what's the best way to, to engage with you if, if you wanted to, or if people wanted to learn more about Indonesia or more about cultural development, personal development in itself?
1: So first of all, they can go to my website, Mm cultureenergy.com, and then they find uh, lots of information about my service and also my principles and my vision. Of how I would like to be to have people uh, develop in uh, these global times. There are also lots of uh, blog entries, articles, and other things. And you just, if you are interested, I yeah, please just uh, subscribe to my newsletter. There's an opt in uh, in on my website, and then you will hear from me. And sure. I would be very happy to get in touch with everybody who is interested in this.
0: We will we'll make sure to post this in the show notes. So if you're listening to this. Um, go back to the website, theculturemastery.com. On the blog section, you'll find the show notes to this episode, and there you'll find the links to Culture Energy, to Silke's work, and we'll, we'll post a few links to some of your articles so just people know what you're about and how to get in touch with you. How's that?
1: Yeah, great. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Silke, so, okay, thank you for taking time, and, and I'm... I'm Maybe my ears are betraying me, but it sounds like the rain has stopped.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the train is over. Yeah, it's it's still, uh, there are still some drops coming from the sky, but it's, the big rain is over for the next 10 minutes probably. Okay, so
0: if you don't like the weather in Jogja, <laughs> wait 15 minutes, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Well, so look, it was a pleasure having you on. Um, we're, for those of you, who are not, for those of you who are, who are not aware of this, this is a, a interview that is taking place with a twelve-hour time difference. So you're literally on the other end of the globe as we record this. Uh, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm thankful that you made yourself available and sharing your, your insight with us. And I hope to have you back on the program soon. Thank you, Soka.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Christian. Bye bye.
0: Yomsha, from Jogshakarta in Indonesia, originally from Eastern Germany. I love how this works. You find someone online, you find out that you share a passport, yet our experiences are diametrically apart. Make sure you stop by Silica's website, CultureEnergy.com. You'll find the links on the show notes to this uh, podcast. Of course, you will always find all the archived episodes on the website, the CultureMastery.com. Just hit the podcast section in the navigation. And also, make sure to follow us on our social media outlets Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, you know the drill. And please, please share if you like what you hear, if you like their stories. Tag the guests on the program, tag Silke, share it online in your social media networks, expand the reach. And if you're itching to become a guest on this program, well, shoot me a note. Send me an email. Get started at theculturemastery.com or use the direct messaging functions on our social media channels. And also, do check on our blog. We have been publishing a few... More posts in the recent weeks and months. New stuff for you to discover if you haven't read it. And even if you don't want to be a guest here because you might be, I don't know, microphone shy? Or, I don't know, I I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't be... A guest on this program however you might have an idea for a topic to talk about also email works so do direct messages on our social media so this was the first the culture guy podcast episode from Atlanta And I think it'll be that for a while. If you're ever in the area, hit me up. We'll meet in person and maybe record an interview right on the spot. People who know me know that I always carry a microphone and a recording device, so nobody's safe. See you next time.